Hey everyone, this is the Manips and Sips podcast featuring Dr. Brandon Cruz and Dr. Jeremy Boyd, that's me. Today we're going to be talking about the uh, SIJ, uh, which is, seems to be pretty controversial over the last couple of years, uh, at least since I've been PT school of, of what to treat and how to treat it. So before we get too much into it, I'm going to pass it off to my partner in crime, Brandon. Hey, morning, guys. Uh, it's actually uh, six six o'clock, six thirty now uh, for this podcast. So um, I'm uh, drinking my uh, Irish coffee to keep it going with uh, with the theme here. And uh, Jay, what you got this morning? Uh, kind of following in theme there. I uh, I'm having a little coffee with uh, some Baileys in it, uh, pumpkin spice Baileys. So uh, just so everyone knows, I'm not really that basic, but my wife is. Yeah, I was gonna say we believe yeah, wife. That's definitely a wife move. She she saw some sort of Instagram post, sent it to me. She's like, "Can we get it?" And I usually have some Baileys in the house, and I ran out, and we went to the liquor store together. She picked it up, and I was like, "You're never gonna drink it," and she still has never drank it, and it's been in the fridge since October. So. Sounds about uh, right. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah. Now I have to have it. So they, lucky they me. They see and they want to buy. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's it's okay. It's it's really not not something I would recommend to the Bailey's found uh, people out there. But I'm stuck with it. But all right. Well, well. Thanks for doing that due diligence for us <laughs> and, and checking it out and giving uh giving your ratings. Yeah, we should so, do. Um, you ever watch uh Barstool on Instagram? The guy, uh, the president, and he rates pizza. We should do that with uh with our sips. Like, oh okay. Uh, oh maybe we'll start that next time. Right, next time, next time. But uh let's get uh talking about the SIJ. Um Brandon uh, let's get going. Any, like, yeah. So this of... is uh for those of you who haven't uh I guess li- listened to our last podcast, it was on low back pain and some SIJ stuff came up in that, but I felt that was a different conversation. So we decided to move it to this podcast. And uh, I personally just want to talk about it in terms of, you know, are, are we really testing what we think we're testing, how to really integrate and use the CP, SIG, SIJ CPR that was hopefully taught in school to uh, most or all of you out there, and then how to really differentiate it between uh, low back pain, because uh, it seems to be like most of it stems be stemming from um, low back. So that's why I really wanted to dive in there. And then Jay, I think you wanted to talk about just some of your experiences as well with it and your progression uh, and a couple other things, right? Yeah. I feel like a couple of people have mentioned or our listeners kind of appreciate kind of listening to our growth um, over the time frames of from when we were entry level to in the residency or receiving mentorship to post, you know, uh, specialist exams and kind of going out on our own. Um, so mine was a bit of a bit of a roller coaster at first for the SIJ. Um, I was taught um, in a school, a uh, great professor and everything. Uh, everyone in my school, uh, professor-wise, definitely put it in their own special touch into their pro- into the program. So things that they were interested in, we got a lot of it. Um, so SIJ was one of those. Um, yeah, SIJ is a, either people love it and, and think it's uh, definitely something that most people have, or most people that low back SIJ pain have, or people are against it and say, you know, most people don't really have it. So 
it's kind of uh, all or none with, with some some clinicians, or at least the older ones anyway. Yeah, and uh, it's like now, like, do I fall into one of those groups now? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, I try and, get, as always, yeah. kind of take everything with a grain of salt and, you know, try and treat the client versus, you know, falling into a tribe of, yes, I'm an SIJ uh, person and try and correct their uh, nominates or anything like that, or I say, you know, screw it, that can't possibly exist, you know, you know, I don't care what I'm seeing, I'm going to treat somewhere else, so. Yeah, uh, I, I remember uh, going down memory lane here, I, I think you might have been in this cohort with the residency, I would think it was like one of your first classes, so you might have just been like head spinning, but um, going to Bill, and we had the SIJ, because Bill taught the, the spine section, mm-hmm. and at the time, I was like, oh, it's definitely a thing. You have all these uh, movement tests that look at perceivable anterior rotary subluxations of the ilium. And you have your Weber Barstow test and your gillets and all that other crap. Uh, and then, obviously, the Lazlitz cluster. And I'm kind of going on and on. And Bill's just kind of smiling, like nodding the way he does. He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, no, it's not really, not really that uh, prevalent in people. It was like, you'll see. And for some reason, that just kind of kind of stuck out to me. And I was like, what's this guy talking about? Um, and then, you know, give it a couple uh, couple years of practice and, and kind of just like being open-minded and listening to what he was saying. Um, it, it's funny just reflecting back on, on that class. I, I do remember that class. And, I yeah, I don't think I was probably talking so much because I think at that point I already kind of figured out. I was just like, I know nothing kind of experience because we were a couple weeks in and yeah because we i started off with a low back um part of the cohort and at this, i was ready to be like oh yeah I, you know i do sij like i can feel it those sort of things and then i remember you talking about it and your experiences and your successes sometimes with like your met and all that and i'm like yeah i'm i'm, I'm the same with the brand in there and then yeah when bill like kind of threw it under the bus i was like Oh shit! Hey, good. Yeah, I'm just gonna be quiet here and just take notes. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, it was, it was your first class because uh, we always started off at Spine, so that, that was probably your first weekend. Yeah, I think we had one virtual rounds or kind of discussion about it prior to, and that was like a little bit of that. And I was just like, but we didn't go too much. I think I was leading right up to that weekend, and that already. This is like, oh crap! I, I, I still don't know nothing. But uh, yeah, like when I came out of PT school, it was, you know, we were trained to do all your all your tests like link length discrepancy, uh, the standing I guess the the gillet stork test. Um, yeah. You know, trying to assess from, you know, if one's. You know, anteriorly rotated when um, it's anteriorly rotated or ex- one's extended, um, yeah, rotated, slip, slip, all these sort yeah. of things. I do remember the, you know, I, I think with all students, especially, it's just like you, you'll be with your CI and they're like, all right, you know, palpate this area. What do you feel? And you're like, or, and you're like, uh, and then like the CI comes in and it's like, God, oh, don't you feel that, you know, that tension or this sort of something or that stiffness? And you're like, oh yeah, totally. And, and in the back of your mind, like, I don't feel, I don't know what the hell this guy's talking about. Uh, but I remember, especially with like trying to figure out the SIJ, it was I'm like, all right, wait, um, if it's an upslip on this side, like, do I 
treated on this side or are there some rules that you had to go treat on sometimes the opposite side and just the confusion around them like yeah shit, i see a problem on one side but sometimes it's on the other side and just it didn't mesh so well but that was almost something i had to study extremely hard for my i got it and tiranami on the right so that means i have to stretch like the the hamstrings on the left and just a lot of confusion with that yeah um, it was uh it was you know if it was road you got to treat the side of pain it mm-hmm. was taught even the um if we're going to the the chicago supine lumbar pelvic manip which mm-hmm. is now called a lumbar pelvic manip and not a sij manip uh but originally i guess when it, it was proposed it was uh it was, they they thought they were treating only the sij and it was it was to treat the side of pain so you wanted to side bend that patient towards the side of pain and rotate away for that technique and and now they've kind of backed off and made it more about lumbo pelvic area as uh we'll get more into that discussion today yeah um so but did uh i guess uh any other things i guess from your entry law like yeah i mean uh, i'll just kind of go into i guess we'll kind of start backwards a little bit uh, I still, even to this day, I still do the leg length discrepancy test. Uh, I'll still do the, the, I guess, supine sit test or the Weeble Barstow test. I think it's, it's formally called. Um, you know, I, I'm going to do the test. I'm just going to probably understand that it's not really a, a true a nominant rotation. And it's probably something going on lumbopelvic like in that region, just because we stress we do a test that we think is stressing one region doesn't mean it's not stressing any local uh, regions, you know, nearby, uh, whether it's joints, nerves, muscles, uh, and things of the like. So I'll do the test and I'll just take it kind of with a grain of salt and see how it maps out. So, you know, I'll do it, my, my test and see if it's, it's an anterior nomina. I'll do it my MET just with the different perspective of, all right, this MET technique is probably just kind of resetting everything. Um, and not so much as correcting the, the rotation. So, uh, while back, you know, five, uh, I don't know, one of my six years out now, seven years out, um, uh, six years coming up on six. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, in the beginning, I thought every, you know, a lot of this stuff was, uh, rotation. I, I think I remember reading, that if you run on the wrong side of the road, that'll cause a slight shift upslope just from the unevenness. I mean, just like, just and maybe these things have some prevalence to it, but to to sit there and firmly state that that's what's going on, um, I think is just a, a bit short sighted. And kind of like you said, going into to your residency, first class experience, you realize you're just going to go in there not knowing, not knowing, knowing that you don't know much. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, and then you know, I want to hear what you have to say, and then I want to dive in, I guess, to the cluster itself and get more to the meat and potatoes. Yeah, so things have, I guess, more like kind of taken a, a different, slightly different path with things now compared to like uh, what they were where I was doing all these tests, all the similar tests, um, definitely palpation skills, um, trying to find that you know, which one was rotated, which one wasn't. I uh, almost diagnosing just about everyone with SIJ and feeling badass about it because I was like oh this is a thing I'm, you know the other PTs missed you know I'll, you know there was always some 
alert to figure out if someone had SIJ. It's like, oh, I'm the one who figured it out. You know, they didn't, they didn't yeah. check that SIJ. I figured that out. I'm the new grad. Oh, yeah, hell yeah, I'm the man. And it wasn't like I made them any better, faster as a result of that. I probably actually made them worse by telling those sort of things. And we can kind of go into meat and potatoes of, like, telling people that SIJ's out and that crap. Um, but, um, yeah, I went from that was it, you know, kind of doing – almost it almost became almost cookie cutter based was all right you know oh wow you got low back pain let me check your SIJ oh yeah that's off and <laughs> let me start treating that and to every low back pain to now it's 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 few and very far between is I'll do you know not as many of those tests anymore if a client reports it to me like oh it was somebody told me yeah, my leg length is is off, uh, especially like chiropractors uh, are, are use that tool, or even PTs. You know, even uh, we, we we use it. I'll just take it with a grain of salt. I'll, I'll take a look at that right there and then. Um, you know, and if if I see a parent, especially in supine and those sort of things, uh, I'll, I'll take a look in those sort of things. But I do remember, actually, my first con ed course was the Maitland uh, C, uh, C0 course or CO course, as they call it. It's a purely evaluative course. So I took it as a student. Um, okay. And I think there was about 10 of us in that course. Um, and it was just kind of funny because, you know, what I gained from it, uh, I didn't apply it immediately. But it's 10 of us or so, maybe a little bit less, a uh, couple – OCS COMTs, which is the Certified Orthopedic Manual Therapist, which is uh, the cert mm. you get for uh, completing the Maitland courses. Uh, so it was about two or three. Uh, the instructor, I believe, was one of them. A couple, you know, a couple year outs, uh, one or two newish grads, and two students. Uh, me and my other fellow student, I was at the at the place I was uh, doing my fill at, and. Uh, he used, he put up one person on the table and he's just like, all right, let's figure like their leg length and any of the, you know, rotations and sort of stuff. And between all of us, we had all different answers. Even the leg length was, was something that was not consistent. And I was like, I, mean, I remember as a student, I'm like, I was trying to look it around. I'm like, well, what, 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 what are the senior guys getting? So uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll just pick what they're saying because uh, I was like, I don't want to be, I want to look like a jackass in front of everyone. But that was exactly his point was that, you know, we, we started like listing off things. I think he started with the students first and then he went from there and there's just progressively different answers. And maybe it's just, our lack of thoroughness with the testing and uh, everything like that. But I didn't seem to take that, even that as presented and start to question things. I didn't take that so much with my clinical practice two years later. So, um, but yeah, things have changed a little bit where I do start, you know, I'll look at things if they report it or if I'm starting to see pain in the SIJ region, then I definitely start to dive in a little bit more. Um, and we can talk about that, but I think I went on a little bit of a uh, nostalgic rant uh, too much. But uh, Brandon, uh, you can but, talk. But, but I think I think there's a good take-home point off of that, Jer. I, you know, just because some stuff, you know, some of this stuff isn't, uh, you know, 100% reliable or or, or have uh, maybe a set, the the psychometrics behind it that we would want, mm -hmm. uh, doesn't mean we have to necessarily toss it to the wind either. 
You know, yeah. I don't think we have to go extremely left or extremely right. I, you know, we have to, I think, do our due diligence and examine, examine it or examine these multiple things. And then, you know, use your clinical reasoning and your judgment there as well. Cause you, you know, to stand on the other side, there, there's a people who are like, all right, SIJ isn't a thing. Mm-hmm. And they just don't even bother to assess it or assess, assess it. anything near it either. So uh, I actually like that story because, you know, it shows the variability. And but just because it's poor doesn't mean we have to throw it to the wind. So uh, I, I like that, especially so for, um, you know, some of the, the newer clinicians or the ones who are the clinicians who are trying to still hone in on their, their practice patterns. As, um, so, yeah. especially yeah. for the new grads too, like or just a lack of like experience in those sort of things. Like I'll I'm in this, you know. Uh, a little bit more sports heavy affiliation or uh, clinic is my clinic. And, you know, as funny, I always test out my students on their ability to perform a Lachman's test, which we know is the, the most sensitive and specific test for an ACL tear, uh, especially not, I guess, not acutely or anything like that. But that's what we want to do, like pivot shift and stuff. But um just watching them do it so obviously i think i can probably i hope to believe that every pt school probably teaches their students the lockman test and watching them do it they would get a negative test on every single acl tear i don't care how much laxity they give based on how they're doing just lack of force uh, hand placement even though they taught these things got uh you know practicals on these sort of things you know, they just, and they're just not doing it correctly from what I was taught or what I've seen with athletic trainers, usually the lack of force. So if yeah. we're taking that as like, let's say we're assessing the SIJ is we're, we're adding those potential, you know, people into our studies, you know, that's obviously going to kind of mess up the psychometrics of things um, is, you know, that's when obviously, hopefully you're all, you know, always trying to seek out getting better and you're into mentorship is, you know, if you're perceiving this as, you know, SIJ is a problem and you're implementing these tests, having a mentor or somebody or somebody to consult with to do a test and they do a test or something like that to really see what the, the more experienced or seasoned clinician may uh, be. And then that way you can kind of hone in on your accuracy of these tests. Yeah. I mean, they, they say these tests, tend to uh, get better with experience anyway. Mm-hmm. So the, the reliability of their psychometrics improve. But I, I guess with that, with the psychometrics improving, let, let's move on to the cluster of, uh, what do we have? Thigh thrust, sacral thrust, distraction, uh, compression, and gains limbs, right? That, that's our cluster for the uh, SIJ. Mm-hmm. So if uh, and I encourage a lot of people to go read a couple of the Laslet articles, uh, he has a, a few on the SIJ. I like the 2005 and 2008 one specifically. But basically mm-hmm. what they said is Gainsland's really doesn't add any value to, to this cluster. So right off the bat, can, can we do away with that one? I don't know. Jerry, do you do the Gainsland's a lot? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll do it. Um, just I'll do all the SIJ tests. Um, I'll throw it yeah. in, uh, but then I'm like, there's so much else going on with Gainsland's. I'm like, I'm screwing around with like the hip flexors and you know the hip joint. I'm starting to get like everything into it. 
So I take that, and as a result of that study with a with a grain of salt, it's got to be, oh, it's it's. I definitely feel it, you know, right in the PSIS, right in the in the sacroiliac region. But that's the one I take it with the least grain of salt, as it's you know. But I'll just throw all the tests in personally. I'm just going to run through yeah. single thrust all of them. Um, but as you're saying, those three tests is the ones that I are particularly used the most. Or, so, so is there a particular order you do this in? Because when I was taught, we were not taught an order. It was just do the cluster. And if if people take the time to to read some of these articles, um, there's actually an order to them, and you might be able to save yourself some time. Uh, I or a I suggested try. order, I should say, recommended. Yeah, I think I do all mine, all the supine tests, and then I do like yeah. sideline for compression, and then prone sacral thrust. Yeah. Um. So. I, I probably yeah. could use an update on that. Yeah, so you're just you're just and like most people, you're just trying to be efficient, right? You're not having mm-hmm. like you know people roll on their back, then on their side, then on their stomach, then on their back again. But uh, according to the, you know their diagram, and this is in the paper, you want to do the the the, uh, the distraction test and the thigh thrust test uh, have the most uh, sensitivity when it comes to it. And then you're also looking for familiar pain that is provoked by these tests not necessarily pain to that PSIS region that is so commonly misunderstood for SIJ pain when it's really probably more L5, mm. uh, the area, you know, L, L, L5 referred or discogenic or, or something along those lines. But, uh, yeah. So what, what are your thoughts on, on now, I guess, doing those first? As no. What I love about this podcast is that, you know, even, you know, it's both me and you talking, I'm taking notes for my own clinical uh, improvement is that I'm like writing this down, like distraction, thigh stuff, uh, familiar pain, they're the most sensitive. Um, so yeah, now I'm like, all right, let me, you know, do that as part of my thing. And the funny thing is, you know, we read these articles, they, I think they're presented to us, you know, in residency and it's amazing what I just took out of it and failed mm-hmm. to take with is okay yeah all right i'm getting reading these tests i need to do this cluster but i failed to recognize oh i have to do it in a specific order especially yeah you want to do your sensitive test to rule out first uh, before you start adding specific tests so yeah um yeah so now i'm all aboard it i'm always you know yeah i think a lot of times in in entry-level school especially and you know obviously even going into if you do a residency or if if people who are just studying for ocs's or try and read information on their own a lot of times it's just a lot of information to take in and you're just trying to get what you can get Uh, it takes time to go back and refine your interpretation or as you practice over time your viewpoint your perception has changed um you have more experience so just like building a skill on anything else, I mean, it's going to refine itself over time. So uh, it's always good to try and go back over some some uh, articles, especially some of the more keynote ones that um, or, or hallmark ones that have probably uh, made made more uh, impact in the PT world than some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. So you know, w- with those two, if those two are both positive, you could probably go ahead and, and diagnose. Um, have a diagnosis of a symptomatic SIJ. Uh, if only one of the two were positive, or neither of the two were positive, you're going to move on to the compression tests, mm-hmm. and then again see if any two tests are positive. So really, what you're looking is two of the four tests to be positive, 
uh, and not necessarily three of the five or more that, that um, I guess the cluster really is. And then the last thing you're going to look at is a sacral thrust. And I guess you can add in Gainsland's at the end there. Yeah. I think um, this was just released in uh, actually June of 2019 in Techniques of Orthopedics, Laslet. Again, um, the clinical diagnosis of sacroiliac pain. It was a symposium, I guess, what he kind of wrote um, to kind of sum it down. Is he first said there's a need to establish a standardized clinical exam based on the best available evidence that identifies those patients with persistent back and buttock pain with whose symptoms arise from SIJ um, is first, uh, but he, he kind of summed it down, a cluster of at least two, pre preferably three provocation tests in the absence of any clear diagnosis of pain. Uh, so the absence, that's a big thing is like, remember those DVT studies? Is there, could it be anything else? Yeah. Um, of, of pain source other than this SIJ has a sensitivity of 91% and a specificity of 89%. This clinical examination is described as reliable, requires no special equipment, and is available from trained clinicians in most developed countries. And that was June. That was this, uh, we're still in June. So that's fresh, hot off the press, nice. um, what, they, what he's you know, been reporting. So the big thing, I think, also a take home of that, you know, that's pretty good sensitivity and specificity also make sure and we'll, we'll i think this would be good to kind of transition to um is to make is it could it be anything possibly else besides sij um, yeah i know we're talking about you were talking about some referral pain there brandon from the lumbar spine um you know your experiences with that <clears throat> yeah but just before i get into that um and circling back to the other thing could it be anything else i mean just because we're we're compressing the sacrum or compressing the pelvis doesn't mean all those forces are going straight to the SIJ joint. So like I was saying earlier, what, and like you just said now, what other structures can we be possibly impacting here? Mm. Um, and that's where I think you had just stated a, a, an updated um, sensitivity specificity of what, 91 and 89? Is that what you said? Yep. Uh, that's a little higher than, than what's in these articles, uh, especially on the five tests where they have a specificity of 78. Uh, but even, even the 89, if, if you talk to a lot of researchers, they want that specificity or they want these psychometrics in the nineties mm. to really be truly accurate. So even a specificity of 89 still leaves the door pretty open, uh, to a possibility of, you know, it's not that specific, you know, there are other structures being affected here and that the sensitivity 91, okay, that's pretty good. We could take that, but that just says that there's something wrong. It doesn't say what it is exactly. So hopefully that answer answered your question. Yeah. Um, that's what, you know, we always say, like, especially when I'm working with my students and stuff like I think it also it's come from like the fellowship training and stuff. It's having that primary hypothesis, either yeah. like midway through the subjective exam or definitely afterwards, and then after your your clinical or your um, you know physical exam as well, is um, like that primary hypothesis should be a special like you know when you're students and stuff. Maybe it'll be like in the sixty, hopefully seventy percent range of like yeah, I think that's what it is. Probably yeah. after, you know, your experience or your resident training, you want that at least 90 plus percent. And that those, you know, secondary and tertiary hypotheses, those, eh, maybe that, but it's highly unlikely. 
um, that percent, that primary percent should grow. And I think that like goes in the same for our, our special test is, is we should be using the, the most sensitive and specific ones. And again, looking at all those things that I was mentioned about Gainsland, you know, there's a lot going on when you do a Gainsland's test. So, yeah. And, and, and piggybacking off that, I know we're, we're kind of just, or this statement's more just general treatment. Uh, like you said, developing that hypothesis, but also trying to take into account as many variables as possible mm-hmm. uh, or adjusting for them, which is a lot to think about. I mean, doing a technique or a test with the leg straight versus the leg bent. I mean, if you look at, EIM, they really drill that in with with their residents and fellows. Um, you know, we talk about it, and, and we did it a little bit in, in Temple and at Regis. I mean, we, we, we talk about considering these things, but um, from my experience, you know, EIM really handles at home, and it's a lot to think about to adjust for every little factor that you can think of mm. and be very, I guess, analytical and dogmatic about some stuff um, when you're doing this stuff. But, you know, it's exhausting in the beginning, but that's what makes you a better clinician. After time, you, it just becomes routine. You're, you're, you're knowing what you're looking for. You know what to try and bias, what to take out, what not to take out, um, and what to account for, uh, if that makes any sense. But um, it, it just you're, – you're, what you were saying just wanted me to throw that in there. Oh, that's perfect now, and it should. Um, I'm thinking um, – I mean – as research continues to grow and grow, hopefully for the better. And, you know, we're kind of say of, you know, studies rule this, you know, say this. And then a little bit later, they, they, again, our study that, you know, argues is like, if we're that, you know, pragmatic and we're like that specific with everything and kind of develop things, I think we can make more headway and have less debate over time because we're, you know, it's that detailed. We're all trying to perform it the same way. You know, there's all yeah. that talk about manual therapy and there's some things that, you know, argue the effectiveness of it. It's how are those clinicians performing their manual therapy? How confident are they? Or what's their selection of manual therapy? Yeah. We can't, it's a comparison of like, oh, some people are doing soft tissue and some people are doing mobs. Well, how, you know, how yeah. are they doing it? You know, what's the percentage and the forces? Obviously you can't grade it to a degree but eventually we should be able to do but these things that that's that's the scale of what we do that's the that's the art of what we do um mm-hmm. and if you do manual therapy and you say it doesn't work it's because you suck at it uh, <laughs> i will 100 percent say that you have to I, it's, it's like anything else it's skill acquisition you want to be a, a good hitter in baseball you want to be a good shooter in basketball you have to do repetitions of it um you have to get better at it and you have to believe in it uh so you know, that, that's that. And, you know, to talk about standardization, I mean, Tim Flynn talks about how there needs to be standardization in our profession, which there's not, you know, a lot of times we're at, in the wild, wild west. Um, and, and actually ta- digressing from standardization, uh, just before I forget, uh, to make the SIJ cluster more, more specific and more sensitive and to put the odds in your favor, uh, you should be doing your lumbo-pelvic screen first. Then you can do your SIJ cluster. And actually, if you then follow the SIJ cluster with McKenzie assessment of repeated movement, uh, that's going to increase your, your chance. So let me, let me backpedal here. Um, if we go back to those nomograms, if we're going back to statistic classes, 
you know the pretest pretest probability. Let's say it's thirty percent, and this is this is in the article here that this is the number that they use. Um, and then you do the SIJ provocation test, and they become positive. Now that there's a they say there's a fifty nine percent chance that the patient has SIJ pain. You're supposed to do a McKenzie assessment afterwards to see if there's any centralization of those symptoms that are in the buttocks or whatever. And if there's failure to centralize, then you know, or that now that increases the chance of it being SIJ in origin. If there is centralization, when you probably know it's more back pain um, or discogenic or whatever term you want to use um, there. So, you know, some food for thought for people thinking it's SIJ. And I know I did this. Oh, I did the SIJ cluster. I'm good. I did my due diligence. Well, did you really? Did you take all, did you rule out everything else? All those other factors or hypothesis, like you said? Yeah, absolutely. I think when I came out, it was probably borderline SIJ first. Then I'll throw in lumbar. Or as yeah. lumbar and my MDT kind of looking yeah. for repeated motions is first. And now even me as an experienced clinician, again, what I took from the research, I'm probably ruling out lumbar while I'm kind of getting them up and stuff, doing MDT second and then SIJ. So again, you know, we can always get better. Um, I can always hone in my own personal kind of skills of my examination and stuff like that. But if again, we want to be standardized. Um, so we want to kind of do this for the best validity of these tests. And that way we're not missing things and causing our, uh, our, our patients to go down the wrong path if they don't need to. Yeah. Um, another thing, uh, I don't know what your, your thoughts are. And, and actually, uh, before I move on to that, I totally agree with you. When I first started, it, I always thought it was like SIJ and then I just, you know, over time learned um, to do my due diligence and, and really assess more low back. And I think that was primarily because like you go through school and everybody's like, oh, SIJ, 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 or at least that was my background. Like you were kind of biased into believing SIJ was probably more prevalent than what the research presents um, mm -hmm. it to be. Uh, but yeah. So another thing that uh, that kind of bothers me is uh, when people say the SIJ doesn't move um, and then you have these idiots on Instagram or whatever, taking a hammer to the pelvic ring and, and look, it doesn't move. Uh, there is movement in the SIJ. There, there's up to 4% or not 4%, four degrees of rotation. Maybe is it perhaps that our measuring skills just aren't sensitive enough to pick up that motion there, especially when you're going through skin, subcutaneous fat, uh, muscle joints and ligaments. Mm. What, what are your thoughts on that before I, I kind of go in, into, I guess, percentages here? No, I, um, no, you do have to take that into account. I think we've, we've had this discussion before and again, it was me. I, I, I call it the hydroplane effect um, where like I learned, especially when I was younger is I learned something and, I completely went that way and like kind of like, Oh, SIJ. I think the, I didn't get the, unfortunately I didn't get the cadaver lab. Um, we had a virtual or a CD ROM uh, cadaver at my school. Uh, so all you entry or if anybody's listening and wants to get into PT school, make sure you take this into factor um, is that we ain't get a true appreciation of that joint whatsoever or any of them 
per se. It was again, it was a CD. I mean, uh, we we had um, cadavers, but we didn't dive into the SIJ either like that. Oh yeah, I oh, okay. I think they changed that up. I uh, from oh well, I I know students from Rutgers South, not so much the North, but um, mm-hmm. they well I've seen like videos. I guess the argument was like you can you know take every ligament off and it's of of the SIJ and still not moving to the very last ligament and then it, it all of a sudden moves and mm-hmm. I took that it took that you know uh, to to heart there I was like oh shit then all right screw the SIJ you know but uh yeah that, yeah even though there's you know it's a very stable joint there's still you know movements and micro movements that you know those videos aren't really picking up on um, yeah. And I think we had that conversation and I was like, all right, you know, I do need to take it into account of these sort of things. And, yeah. um, but you can, I know you're talking about percentages and loss of a millimeter or centimeter. Yeah. Actually, I, I forget when we had this conversation, but uh, hopefully it wasn't on a previous podcast, but um, no, it wasn't. If, not, if not, you guys are going to hear it again. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, there's, there's four degrees of rotation, you know, standard of measurement is five degrees. So right there, you're already uh, under that threshold. Um, but what is the job of the SIJ? Is it, is it its main job is for, for motion or for uh, transducing uh, forces from the lower extremity to, to the trunk and upper extremity, or really trunk? Uh, so, you know, if you lose one degree of motion that is not measurable, that, that joint has lost 25% of its available motion. Uh, I mean, take the hip joint, which has, you know, 130 degrees or upwards of, of motion, or at least into flexion, mm. you know, to get 25% of that, you're going to lose a big chunk, you mm. know, so, and that's going to be noticeable, but 25% of only four degrees uh, is not a lot, uh, but it's going to throw off that joint's ability to, you know, transduce or transfer force from the lower extremity up to the, the, the trunk. And hopefully that gives just some perspective of some things to consider when looking at this lumbopelvic or SIJ region. Yeah. And if you, if anyone's out there takes any like TPI or SFMA, those sort of things. And you well, like with a TPI uh, for tails performance into where you're looking at golfers and those sort of things. And that generation of power and uh in the movement it starts off with your your essentially your, your pelvis uh, a lot of our emotions can come from that from that area if you're losing 25 percent of that rotation or that potential movement of, of from that area you're you're losing you know a degree of power so for anyone who's looking into sports or anything like that but i believe it can, can be applicable to just about all walks of life but just you know tying that into like function in life is if you're losing a good chunk of that um it's gonna wreck performance of athletes and that's why i start to see as more as more i start to look into that that's probably where athletes are missing out a lot of their components mm-hmm. is that rotary components of their lumbopelvic which obviously is a couple things you know hips the lumbar spine and the sij uh, but you'll start to see some they have great hip range of motion their the lumbar spine isn't you know, too hypermobile and it's gaining some motion, but sometimes that restriction can potentially be from the SIJ. Yeah, I mean, forget forget sports. Look at walking. I mean, most oh. of your rotation from walking begins at the pelvis. Uh, your trunk rotating and swinging, and your arms swinging, and your CPG that occurs. I mean, that you're you're generating that force initially from the pelvis being able to rotate in that transverse plane. 
Yeah. So there you go. So it also goes into <laughs> into real life uh, things that we do every single day. Um, so you know, it, it's something that we need to to take into account, and it's not something that we should entirely write off or anything like that. So um, especially like I'll start to see these sort of things, and you know, obviously in this you know Instagram heavy world is you know someone puts like a picture of the sij maybe some x's or like don'ts and a little caption of you know where it's just a quick summary because most of us won't read beyond that um and it's already like right from the get-go is sij point is pain isn't real or and they'll list some studies and if you look into more of these studies the same studies it's just again main what you take from um you know, a lot of people can make some big assumptions from just a quick headline, which is essentially what my wife does every once in a while with news headlines. And she's mm. like, oh, my God, did you see, like, <laughs> they have people trapped in this area. I'm like, oh, what about it? Uh, oh, yeah, I didn't read the whole article. Like, it's always a news article. So it's a running joke in the in this yeah. household. So make sure you, you know, do your due diligence, read through those studies and make sure you try and be unbiased and take you know, the whole thing, like, from it versus, you know, just what the headlines say. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think uh, I think we're running out. I, th- I think we're... Yeah, I think it was good. It was a good podcast there. Uh, uh, let's, uh, yeah, you want, you want to do the wrap-ups, Jer? Uh, yeah. And then, uh, I guess, yeah, throw, throw in the courses as well. Yeah, so um, for anyone, uh, well, I think, Brandon, you probably know the dates the best. Uh, I believe, you know, I'll, I'll be firmly honest in, in what I was as a student, low back pain and the whole spine uh, was my weakness, weakest point uh, coming out of school. Um, and now looking at my outcome measures, also looking at my previous board certification test, um, the spine's actually one of my strong points, which is kind of funny how that evolved. But um, we do offer, um, Brandon has started or has a, uh, how long have you been doing it there, Brandon? How long has pursued uh, about, about, I guess, a year, year and a half, coming up on two years. Uh, yeah, because I, I started that really after I moved to Verona here. So, yeah, it's probably half or coming up on two years. Two years. So, um, two years, uh, pursue PT education. Uh, we have some courses uh, that both of us will uh, teach in. Uh, you get the uh, great Brandon Cruz as your lead teacher there, and I'm helping out as much as I can. Um, we have a lumbar management course, uh, cervical management, and uh, I think uh, the fan favorite manipulations where you um, the spinal manipulations where you get a get a get a taste of it all, uh, just honing in on those manipulative skills, which obviously you get maybe a taste of those in school. Um, but not, you know, probably enough to be, uh, you know, confident enough to actually apply it once you get out in the real world or you get it, you know, year two and don't really do it for a whole year plus and then expect to do it as an entry level. So, and also a peripheral manipulations for those, uh, outside joints, but, uh, Brandon, do you have yeah. the dates of those and which ones I don't have those out in front of me? Yeah. Uh, so I actually work backwards here. Um, I'm this. Final manipulation, which, like you said, this seems to be the fan favorite. That's December seventh uh, and eighth. Um, I have, let's see, we have the 
cervical thoracic management course in October. Actually, we have uh, TBD, but that's looking like it's going to be early October just because uh, we have some conferences later in the month that we're attending. So you could probably expect the first or second weekend in October. I should probably uh, make those dates now. The year's already half over. And uh, November will be the lumbopelvic course as well. So all these courses do build upon each other. Like Jeremy said, spinal manipulation. I mean, we go over uh, more than 15 techniques uh, in the, for the spinal manipulation and variations. So you're probably really getting in the 20s. Uh, we go over techniques for outsized therapists, techniques for, uh, you know, especially women who maybe are smaller in the ortho side and need to wrap around. We show adjustments there. And then you're, you're building up off that in the cervical thoracic and lumbopelvic where we dive even more into some manual skills and rationale, uh, differential diagnosis and things like that. Uh, so a lot of, we've been getting actually some, some uh, I guess, traction and people reaching out to us about you know how to, how to improve. These courses are really good if you've been out a couple of years and really aren't sure what direction like it, to go into, like I said, they build on each other. And if a residency or a fellowship is you're thinking about, but you're not quite sure, uh, these courses are kind of modeled off that. So if you kind of like these structures, then you're going to love uh, kind of going down that route. So, you know, this is a nice way to kind of dip your toes into the water and, and see, see what uh, this rabbit hole is all about. Yeah, I love that. Like people, once they get to one course, they come to a second one simply to build off that mind frame. I think it's too much that we like we go one course to get one, you know, mindset, then go to another, or they don't build off the top of each other. They don't try to enhance your overall clinical, you know, diagnostic skills or your, um, those sort of things that uh, we, I think if people really appreciate that ability that one builds off the top of the other. Um, so, uh, yeah, everyone's well, a fan of that. Yeah, I, the reason why I decided to, to do that, I mean, I've heard from a lot of, a lot of student, or not students, a lot of clinicians, you know, they go out and they take three, four, or five courses, and then they're just sitting there, you know, not knowing what to do and how to blend it together because each, you know, each one either contradicted the other one or it, because it didn't build off of it, they had no repetition, so they didn't feel confident in employing it. Um, that's why I'm not really a fan of just taking random courses because you're, you're not going to have anything to kind of go back to when, when things get hard or you get a difficult case. Um, so, but yeah, yeah. anyway, so we'll, we'll kind of wrap up with that and hopefully we can see some of you guys, uh, maybe we'll go out for some sips afterwards on some of these. Um, but we'll, um, we're getting some people that are, are reaching out to us, you know, just kind of asking questions to us um, from a mentorship point of view or some advice. So if you do guys want to reach out to us, um, our, our handle is at Manips and Sips uh, on Instagram, Facebook. Um, also, uh, Brandon's at Think Like a Fellow and at Pursue PT Now. Uh, I'm at The Decent Doctor and at Trifecta Therapeutics. Feel free to message us, you know, anything like that. We'd love to help out, love to talk about things. That's what we're here for. And, uh, yeah, great episode. And uh, I guess cheers, everybody. Cheers, guys.